Amen. If you've got your Bibles this morning, turn with me to the book of John chapter 8, verse 21. And let's pray. Father God, I thank you for today. Lord, I worship you. Lord, I praise you. Lord, I pray over the next few moments that you would just anoint me to speak everything, Lord, that you want to say and nothing that you do not. Father, I pray you to open our ears to hear your word. God, that they would be spoken by the Holy Spirit and we would respond by the Holy Spirit. God, I pray that you would illuminate our minds. God, help us to have an urgency for the hour that we live in. Lord, for those souls that may not be ready to meet you, those that would die in their sins. And I pray, Father, if there's anyone here today that is not ready to meet you, who's not ready to face you, God, at at that moment of death, I pray that, Father, we would uh, commit our lives to you today and give up the old man, and that today would be a new day. And somebody said, Amen. The title of this morning's message is, Dying in Your Sin. We are learning this week, or this month, uh, part of our resurrection celebration, that Jesus is the I Am. And we're going to be going through some of the I am statements of Jesus. And last week we kicked off Jesus as I am the light. And we're catching right back up with that today. And I want to read you something that around 15 years before his death, the world-renowned Hindu leader, the great pacifist Gandhi, he wrote this. He said, I must tell you in all humility that Hinduism, which was his religion, as far as I know it, entirely satisfies my soul fills my whole being, and I find solace. And he says in the Hindu scriptures that I miss even in the Servant on the Mount. But yet just a year or so before he was assassinated, he wrote this. He said, my days are numbered. I'm not likely to live very long, perhaps a year or more. For the first time in 50 years, I find myself in the slew of despond. All about me is darkness, and I'm praying for the light. When we meet that moment before death, we hope there's some light. I don't know if if what you believe about the light at the end of the tunnel, but Jesus says this in John 8, verse 12. I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Everybody say, the light light of of life. What a horrible thing. It will be for those who die in the darkness of their sin. I'm coming with a very serious message this morning as we prepare our hearts for Easter. But Jesus says, whoever believes and continues to follow him will have the light of life and can confidently pass from this life without fear, without regret, but in the freedom of the Holy Spirit and the empowering and everlasting love of God. Man, will it be a fearful or a hopeful day at your last breath? And what about the people that you live next to? What about the people that you're related to? What about your friends, your family, your neighbors? What will they have? Will it be hopeful or fearful? And will they die in the darkness of their sin? Or will they have the light of life? And let's look in John chapter 8, verse 21. We're going to kind of set the scene here that Jesus is really debating. And he sets out a great Um, expository message uh, for these Jews who are coming against him, who do not believe who he is, and they repeatedly ask him several questions that I believe the world asks him even still today. And we're going to look at some of these. In John chapter 8, verse 21, are we drugged down by darkness? Drugged down, will we be drugged down by darkness? John 8, 21. And then he said again to them, I go away, and you'll seek me, and you'll die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews were saying, surely he will not kill himself, because they did not understand. Will he, since he says, where I'm going, you cannot come. And he was saying to them, you are from below, and I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. Therefore I said to you, listen to this, that you will die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Three times he says that statement. As I read this, preparing for this month, and, and just this, this phrase has not left my heart, and it just gripped me. I believe the Holy Spirit was just gripping my heart to say, Heath, what a grave thing it will be. What a horrible thing it will be for people who die in their sins. 
I know people who I know for a fact right now are not living in right relationship with God. People that I love so very dearly. They will die in their sins. And Jesus is coming with a very stern message as he is walking the road to the cross. And for those who are not giving their life to him, he is saying a very hopeful but yet powerful message. Will you die in your sins? What does it mean to die in your sins? I want us to talk about this for a minute. What does it really mean? It says the studies show that about 1.78, I don't know how you have 1.78 people. But it's about 1.78 of that's the skinnier person and the other person. 1.78 people die every second. It comes out really 107 people a minute die around the world today. About 107 people die every minute. The Bible says that death was not in the plan of God. It's a curse. It's the effect of sin. And it's a powerful thing. Nobody can conquer death. Nobody can look death in the face and say, oh, I'm not ready yet. And the, uh, Psalms even says it this way in verse, chapter 89, verse 48. What man can live and not see death? Can he deliver his soul from the power of the grave? What will we say? I, I've noticed in my own life, and especially all of us who are young, and that's everybody in here, uh, you know, you don't think about death, especially as a, I remember being a teenager and in college. You don't, death is the last thing on your mind. But every person will meet him. Every person will die. On this earth, unless Jesus comes back, and we'll talk about the resurrection here in a minute. But every person will meet that, unless Jesus wills to come back before that moment, every person will meet death. It can be a fearful thing. Something that you're not in control of. Something that will take you, and what will happen on the other side? And the Bible says that physical death, our biological death is uh, the result of sin, and every creature on this earth that is living will die at some point or another. But there's spiritual death, and that's what we want to talk about today. That's what Jesus is mentioning here, spiritual death. What is spiritual death? It's the curse of those beings who reject God's authority. It is a curse for rejecting the authority of God. And it comes as an eternal death. Spiritual death is eternal death. It's complete alienation from God, and it's eternal judgment. The Bible says it's not the total destruction of the soul. When we die, we don't just die and are no more like many atheists would believe today and the lies of the devil that are swaying so many people that when you die that you're just no more. No, the Bible is clear that there is a hellish reality of continued destruction. God knows this so very much that he sent his own son to prevent it. That's how serious God is about this eternity. It's a very serious thing to die and not have hope in Jesus. It's an unrelenting eternity, one author says, that one is powerless to escape. It's a sentence to an eternity in the furnace of fire, of torture, day and night, with weeping, deep agony of the soul, Jesus says. Nothing on earth can compare to the horror of dying without God. You think about it for a moment. How many people do you love? How many people do I love that I don't know if they have a hope in Jesus? Serious. This is a serious, this is a life or death message that Jesus has come to give. It's not just to get through my own life. It is a horrible thing to die without the hope of God. One man was given a vision of hell in the 19, early 1900s, and he said this. He, he wrote in his diary, he said, The screeches of such a place were beyond the expression of the natural man. The screeches of such a place were beyond the expression of the natural man. I'm not here to scare you today. I'm not here to preach the, the hell out of you of what some people used to say back in the early Pentecostal days. I want to tell you today the truth of the unadulterated message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not a flashy, three-point, feel-good, humorous sermon illustration that so many pastors today are given to get people's ears in the church. The truth of the message is there is a hell that you will go to without the hope of Jesus Christ. That is the message of the gospel, that there is hope. Because the Bible says in Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ. But the free gift... Spiritual death is the consequence of being carnally minded. The Bible says craving sin instead of righteousness, living in pleasure, walking disobedience. But ultimately, spiritual death comes when we die 
and unbelief. We all rebel against God, the Bible says, and the power of sin. If it is not broken, there'll be no hope for any soul after death. When we, when we die, if we have committed ourselves to God, what we say to Him in that statement is, God, I'm making a final choice of unbelief. And Matthew Henry says that unbelief is the only damning sin. It's the only sin that really is the ultimate nail on the coffin that sends you to that place. Because when you die and that final breath leaves your body, if you have not made that choice to give Jesus everything, it is the last thing you'll ever do. It is the ending point. It is a final choice to say, God, I really do for eternity reject your authority. God gives us a break. He gives us a life to live. And that life, we get to make this great choice. And so many people, we don't see the eternal mindset that this one life, this blink, this vapor is all about one choice where you'll spend eternity. That's why we're still here, church. That's why God has allowed the church to stay on this earth. God could take his church home at any moment, but he is so loving, so patient, so compassionate that he says, I don't want one single person to make an eternal choice without knowing the truth. Because the gospel message is the truth. And he, he says to these people, he says, where I go, you cannot come. Can you imagine in that moment when we die that Jesus says, no, I'm sorry, you cannot come. These people were listening to the Son of God speak, crowded streets on his way to Jerusalem, and he says, sorry, you're not believing where I'm going, you can't come. And if you continue in the way you are, you'll die in your sins. But no, I am the light of life. If you believe in me, You'll never die. And let's look at this today. What are they saying? And we go down from verse, the, uh, from verse uh, to verse 28. John 8, verse 28. If you look there with me. But is these words hopeful? For unless you believe that I am He, you'll die in your sins. Is it fearful or is it hopeful? It can grip our soul in fear. Or if you're a believer today, it is thinking, you're just hopeful. You're saying, thank you, God. Thank you, God, that I have made the choice that saves my life for eternity. And they say to him in this moment, he gives this powerful statement, and he's given this, uh, this choice before them, believe or you'll die. It, and he doesn't do it in, in hate and, and, or in anything, because so many people wonder how a loving God can condemn a person to hell. But it's, he is saying before us to say it is you and I who will choose to reject life if we reject the light of Jesus Christ. It's not, a, it's not an evil God who puts this choice before us. It's a loving God who's willing to save us by sending His Son. It's all about love. He could, if He didn't love us, He didn't have to come. But He loved us so very much that He's not an evil God saying, you're going to go to hell if you don't find my way. But He is a loving God that says, there was a destiny prepared for you. There was a road of destruction prepared for you. And you are on it. You are on it. But I'm going to give you another way. I'm going to make it so very easy for you that my Son will take everything you've ever done wrong and He'll give you a new path and a new way and a new light. And in that moment, what, do you know, what does the world say? They said, who are you? On that day, just like many, looking right before John 8, 28, many of these people began to rebuke him. And they said, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? You know what his reply was? He said, I am he. I am he. Who do you think you are? The world today asks, who is this Jesus? Who is this Messiah? What is this really all about? What is church? What is Christianity? And what is God? And who is he? And what's he like? He says, I am am he. I'm the only one who can solve your situation. I'm the only one who can get you through tomorrow. And look at John 8, 28. He says, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know I am he. It's very unique to this chapter. This is the, one of the only places in the gospel that Jesus repeatedly says this phrase. And what does this mean? I am he. 
In the Old Testament, God would say to Moses, I am that I am. I am Yahweh, the God who is, the God who was, who is, and who is to come. We know that he's the Alpha, the Omega. And Jesus identifies that statement in this moment. He says, I am God. I am he. I'm the sent one. I'm the one who can take away the sins of the world. And if you know me, if you know me, I'll be lifted up. Every person in this world today is at a crossroad. Cross road. There's a cross, and there's a road to choose. And each person is at this crossroad, and God gives the good news through Jesus Christ, and it's the only power against sin and death. And he says, unless we believe, we'll die in our sins. John chapter 12, verse 32, Jesus says the same thing similarly. He says, if I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men to myself. This is very key. He says, when I am lifted up, you'll know who I am. As if to say this, all the spectators of the world, all the doubters of the world, all the unbelievers of the world, if his virgin birth isn't enough, if all of the countless miracles he did isn't enough, if, if all of the things that he spoke and he taught and the authority and his words, and it doesn't speak to you, if that's not enough, then there's no more proof left except for Jesus Christ would die and be lifted up on a cross and he would be buried in a tomb and rise again. That is all the proof we need, and that's all the proof God has given. He says, if you don't see him on the cross, you don't see him at all. If we don't understand the cross, we don't see him at all. You think about it this way. Man lifted him up on a cross, but God lifted him up out of the tomb. Amen? Amen? Man lifted him up on the cross, but God lifted him up out of the tomb. And he says, if when you lift up the Son of Man, you'll know I am he. And that's what that soldier said, and he knew. Surely this must be the Son of God. He was lifted up. Man, if I don't lift up Jesus Christ in my life, I don't know who he is. That's what he's saying. If you don't see Jesus highly exalted and sitting at the right hand of the Father, if we don't see him crucified, the lamb that was slain, like we'll be talking about tonight, if we don't see him as who he is and what he has done for us, we don't know him. If I don't grasp the cross, I remember growing up, the cross was just kind of this story for me. It wasn't, it was like, okay, Jesus Christ. It was like one of those now lay me down to sleep things. It's like, it's a pretty little story, fits in a little children's book, and you got the pop-up cross, and you know, and it's just this thing that we know about, right? But when you begin to think about the gravity of the cross and what God truly did for us, when you begin to pray about it and labor and prayer about it, if you begin to study and you begin to say, man, what did you save me from? What, that was my place to bear. That was my death to be done. But he has been lifted up. And that's more than enough proof to know. Jesus is the only one who could have ever saved me. He's the only one. And are you willing, are we willing to gamble our eternal soul Think about it. Am I willing to gamble my eternal soul trying to figure out when death will come? So many people do this today. You know, I got tomorrow. I got, I got that maybe later. Or maybe it is true. Maybe it's not. We're gambling an eternal destiny. I'm not a gambler. I'm not a risk taker. I'm like, I'm like one of those people that if there's a risk involved, I'm going to pull back, right? Unless it's something to do with God and a leap of faith. As far as my money goes and all those things, I don't take risks. I, I don't, you know, growing up, I had four-wheelers and all those kind of things. I was not the one that was going to jump the hurdles or you know, go do the dangerous stunts. I'm not a risk taker. And I can't even imagine that so many people in this world today are gambling an eternal destiny, sitting at the footsteps of falling into the pit of hell for eternity, and yet they don't even know it. And you and I have the truth. You and I have the full message. I drove down the streets of Gina the other day, and this verse was just burning in my mind. And as I drove through, people walking in the streets, coming out of the stores, people driving by, and I'm just thinking, God, how many people will die in their sins in this city? How many people do you, that, that nothing else matters when you come to a verse like that? It's like, who cares if I've got to go on vacation? Who cares if I work eight to five or, or if I'm out of a job? Or, who cares if I have money? It doesn't matter. What matters is will I or others I love die in their sin? This is the only thing. This is so true to Jesus. 
that he's willing to do the unspeakable. But I have a hope in this, that John 6, verse 40, he says, This is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him will have eternal life, and I myself will raise him up on that last day. You see, for you and I, if we're willing to believe, when death pulls you down, he pulls you up. When death pulls us down, He lifts us up. He's the only one who can lift you and I up because He was lifted first. He's the lifter of our heads, the Bible says. And it says even further in Psalms that we can walk through the valley of the shadow of death and have no fear because God is with me. So many people are going to fear that last breath, but I'm not going to fear anything because guess what? He's lifting me up. He's the lifter of my head. Do you believe... And do we believe in the uplifted Jesus? What will we tell death on that day? And will we be able to say, like the Apostle Paul, death, where's your victory over me? Where is your sting? I believe in the uplifted Jesus. Amen? Who is he? Who is Jesus? The world asks, who are you? He is the uplifted one. He is the I am. Second thing the world asks is, why do I need to be free? I had a six-hour conversation with an atheist one time. Could not comprehend one word. You know what it was? Sin. Didn't understand it. Didn't get it. I mean, I'm sitting here talking to him, and it's just saying this is what the Bible says, and sin is this, and sin is death, and I don't get to choose what sin is or sin isn't. And they could not even grasp it. And this same thing is said to Jesus right here. They don't understand why he needed to come. Why do I need to be free? Why does, or how does Jesus make me free when I'm already free? What is sin? Why do I have any, I don't have any slavery in my life. I don't, I'm not owned by anything else. The world has no sense to their, no understanding, no sense of their slavery and sin. They determine to argue with the truth instead of trusting it, that God has set something in motion. There is life, there is death, there is heaven, there is hell, and the only way is freedom in Jesus. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God because it all sounds foolish to them. They can't understand it, for only those who are spiritual can understand what the Holy Spirit meanings, means. Are there parts of the Bible that you or I disagree with? Are there parts of Scripture that I don't understand because it's not, I'm not allowing it to be manifested in me through the Holy Spirit? Are there parts in the Bible that you know or that I know that I compromise on? Or that I was talking to someone the other day about a truth in the Word that the Bible says this, and I won't say what it was, but they were, I was saying, you know, the Bible says that we are to act this way. And this Christian was telling me, yeah, 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 but... In my situation, it doesn't, you know, you need to do it this way. And this is how it is in the real world. And I'm thinking, no. I just wanted to tell him. I was on the phone. I just, no, the Bible says, even if it don't feel good, even if it don't look good, even if it don't sound good to you, Jesus said, do it this way. Give. If it don't feel like giving, turn the other cheek. I mean, there's all these things that we want to buck up against. And God is saying, that's spiritual rebellion. And he said, you have something that you need to get rid of. Maybe we say, well, that doesn't work today, or Jesus wasn't in my situation, or oh, Lord, that's too hard. What are there things in the Bible that are saying, maybe that we need to be free from? Look in verse 34, John 8, 34. Let's go down and catch up with where Jesus is at with these people. John 8, 34, he answered unto them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits a sin is the slave of sin. Everybody say slave. Slave. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son does remain forever. So if the son makes you free, you'll be free indeed. And it's a good verse right there, right? If the son makes you free, you'll be free indeed. Why do I need to be free? Jesus says, because you're unknowingly a slave to sin. Romans 6 says it this way, that if you are controlled by something, whatever your behavior is controlled by, that's what you're a slave to. And why, who you belong to, Jesus is saying, is where you'll spend eternity. The world says stuff like this, I'm free, I'm my own person, do whatever I want, when I want to do it. But yet we're all submitted to something. And Jesus is saying here, believe it or not, believe it or not. 
But if you don't belong to God, you belong to the devil. Doesn't mean that you are the devil. Doesn't mean that you're possessed. Doesn't mean you're demonic. But if you're not submitted and under the authority and the power and the protection of God, there's nothing outside of that. It's just the devil's ownership. And nobody likes to hear it. Man, that sounds mean. Doesn't it sound mean? That's mean preaching right there. That sounds like, ugh, why do I want to hear this message? But it's the truth that even the Son of God came to say, if you don't let God own you and come under the authority of God, then there's no protection outside of that. Literally, the devil will take you when you die. You'll come into his world, the, the place that he was meant to be punished for. And it's such a powerful message when I read that Jesus is saying this. I don't see Jesus saying this with hate mail. I don't see him being one of those, pre- those preach preachers that's saying, you know, the world is coming to an end and everybody's, you know, what, what's that church that I won't speak of because we're getting recorded here, but the church that goes and preach against everybody else, you know. Jesus is not on the street corner saying it like that. He's saying it in love. He's saying, I love you so very much that my God, my Father, He wants to save you from an eternity without Him. See, the very act of committing sin, Jesus says, that reveals that we're under the control of sin. Many are blinded by sin and living in a world of illusion, he's saying here. It's a whole other reality. No clue to the truth. I have had those privileges of, privileges or whatnot, of witnessing to several atheists, some homosexuals, and and they're good friends of mine, and and I I love them, and I like them, and I, I try to continue to witness with them. But they live in a different world. It's a world without God. It's a world without God's law. It's a world without God's truth. And Jesus is speaking into this right now. He's saying, there is something that is true. And if you are deceived and you're under the lies of the devil, you can think all is well, but Christ is saying, you are lost. Our missionary guest last week, for those of you who admit it, he, would, he had said, even in, our, in, our, in his message, that he said, I was going around in college and I did not know that I was lost until someone came and told me. Jesus is saying the same thing here. They're at, the world asks, why do I need to be free? And if we don't preach that there is sin and there is death and there is slavery, we're preaching only half of the gospel message. There is a hell. There is sin. And sin results in death without God. It's not just, uh, just all the messages that we see on the TV and in the church world today that there is God who is loving. And yes, there is a God who is loving, but He's so loving that He's willing to tell you the truth, that there is a life of death without Him. There's a consequence for living under the control of sin. And Romans 6, 16 tells us that if we are a slave to whatever we choose to obey, but yet we can wholeheartedly obey Christ's teaching and be free from our slavery to sin and be a slave to righteous living. Do your thoughts and actions tell God He is your master? Think about that question for a second. Do your thoughts and actions, do my thoughts and actions tell God He's my master. We all make a statement of where we are spiritually by the way we think and by the way that we live. Are we free to think and behave rightly? What controls me in the quiet times, in the secret times? Is it sin or is it the Spirit of God? Is it the flesh or is it the Spirit of God? Christ offers you and I freedom. I want you to... want to talk to you just to teach you just a second about this freedom because the world says why do i need to be free man there's a freedom in jesus christ that nobody can even comprehend the world has no clue it uh, it's not even comparable to winning the lottery it's not even about owning i mean you could own your own paradise island in in the bahamas man it has no if you could retire and never work again it has no no measure about the freedom that is offered in jesus christ because this is not just a bad news this is the good news and christ frees us let me just give break it down for you that christ frees you and i and can free you and i from the eternal consequences of sin and death man he can free you from guilt and shame and condemnation he frees you from legalism in a works-based religion trying to earn merit to get into heaven he frees you from the frustration of your failure he can free you from the pit of hell but yet it's not just a free from but he frees you to it's not just free from something he frees you to and listen to this he frees you to experience a life the way he designed it 
He's the author of life. He, ex- he can free you to experience life the way that no one else in this world knows how to experience life. The world wants to party and think this is the, the epitome of life. This is what life is all about. And you look on the inter- Instagram and all the Hollywood people out there and they're in their parties and their clubs and they're doing all these things. And like, this is the pinnacle of life. This is what it's all about. Riches and drugs and women. And this is, this is what life could be, be if you were only rich and wealthy and famous and cool like me. But Jesus frees us to live life the way it was designed to be lived, the fullness of life. He gives you a freedom to deny, Lord, uh, to live in joy, a freedom to live in peace, a freedom to live in love, a freedom to live in the presence of the Holy Spirit. He frees you to be His friend. He frees you to be truly alive, and He frees you to be holy. Man, put a price tag on that. It's like that, that Visa, one of those Discover Card commercials, you know, priceless. It's priceless, but it's not a freedom to live like we want. It's the freedom to have the ability to deny our flesh, our selfish desires with the interest of glorifying God. It's not a freedom from the battle against the world. It's not a freedom from fighting that old sinful nature, and it's not a freedom from the attacks of the enemy, but this freedom is a freedom to have the choice again to follow the Holy Spirit. Man, when you're in your flesh and we, we feel under, we are under the control, we don't have a freedom to choose right and wrong. But when God, through Jesus Christ, comes into your life and he gives you a freedom, you know, some people don't understand this. It's a freedom to begin to choose to live rightly. It's a choice again, just like we were taken away from that choice in the garden. We no longer have a choice. And we, get, we get mad at Adam and we get mad at Eve. If they would have only not eaten that apple or whatever it was, Pomegranate, let's just call it something else. You know, if they had only not eaten that fig, all right? But you and I get that same choice again. Now, by Jesus Christ, you get a freedom and the power. The Holy Spirit comes in you, and he gives you a freedom from all these things. He gives you a freedom to do all these things. And in that moment, sin gets broken in my life. But it doesn't just become easy. It doesn't just take me over, and now I live perfectly. He gives me a freedom to choose to live holy again. And every day I get up and I say, Holy Spirit, help me walk in the choice of freedom. Help me walk in the power of freedom. I'm, sin can be broken on my life, but I have to place myself in the freedom of the Holy Spirit to live in discipline, to live a godly life, to be, see those bondages break in my life. And then I live in that place and God can begin to bless me. That's why we need freedom. That's what we are a slave to. Romans 6.22, but now you're free from the power of sin and you have become slaves of God. Now you do those things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. Lest you and I today abandon our way of thinking, unless we come to faith in Jesus Christ, there is no hope. There is no hope without Jesus. There's no hope unless I give Him control of my mind my thoughts, my heart, my actions. It's not simply believing a list of biblical facts. Here, get get this. I can study this word all day long. I can memorize the fundamental truths of the assemblies of God. I can believe in the perfect Baptist doctrine. I can have the most strict Pentecostal doctrine. And I can believe it and know it. Even the demons do that, though. Even the demons know this. Even the demons know who Jesus is, and they believe He's the Son of God. But they do not submit control of their life to Him. There's rebellion. And until I give up the rebellion, like I said with that person I was on the phone with and said, I understand what the Word says, but I don't want to do it. That shows me that that person is not giving up that fight of freedom. They're not really free of their thoughts and giving it to God. There's still control there. There's still the way they want to think and the way they want to act and the way they want to live. And so they're just like those people who know the truth but yet don't submit to it. And so how are we submitting today? Are we free to live holy and please God? Are we powerless to change? Are we giving up the way we act and think? Do we love God and love what He loves and hate what He hates? How do you know what God... What pleases God? How do you know? How do you know what pleases God? Because I've talked to people before speaking about homosexuality, and they would say, oh yeah, God hates all those people. 
They think they know what God wants and think they know what God likes and they think they know what God hates. How do you know what is the truth of what God wants, of God, what, what God likes, what God wants you really to believe? Because there's so many Christians, they're disillusioned in legalism and religion. They think that their standards of holiness, which separate so many people and cast out so many sinners, they think that's what it's all about. I'm standing for righteousness. I'm, I'm standing for the truth. And they'll put those picket signs and they'll put those bumper stickers on and they'll blast that hate mail all over Facebook saying, you know, repent sinners and casting out all these people and they'll post against the president and they'll post against all these people. How do you know what God wants? How do you know if that pleases God? The next part they ask him is what is truth? It's a big question. Pilate asked it right before he crucified Jesus. What's truth? Is there a God? Is he, what is he like? How involved is he in my life? What's the point of life? Why is life so hard? Is there life after death? These are so many questions you see. Man, if you become friends with so many of these kids on Facebook or Instagram or whatever these things are that they're on now, man, you see so much questions like this. Why is life so hard? Where's God? Where's love? What's truth? People in this world today that we pass every day are hurting and broken. They want to know the truth. Because the only thing that's going to set them free is Jesus Christ. Look in verse 31. Let's catch down and wrap it up here. John eight thirty-one. He says, If you continue in my word, then you are truly my disciples of mine. And you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. You might say, set you free. If you continue in my word, then you're truly disciples of mine. You'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Jesus begins to speak to the crowds. He's speaking to you and I today. I've, I've given you the message of what hell is like. I've, I've told you what the world is asking. I've told you what waits. And the problem is the slavery of sin. And now Jesus begins to speak to those who were believing in him that day. And he says, if you continue in my word, you are my disciple. And then you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. How do I have freedom? How do I know what Jesus wants? What is the truth? And am I really, truly a Christian? Am I really, truly a disciple of Jesus Christ? The truth is, God's revelation of himself is Jesus Christ. He's the way, the truth, the life. John says in four, chapter 14, the gospel is the word of truth. The truth is that Jesus Christ sets us free. But to know this truth is not to intellectually comprehend it. Stay with me. To know the truth is not just to know it in your mind, it's to experience it in your heart. To know the truth that Jesus Christ sets you free, to know the truth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, is not just a list of biblical facts, it's not just growing up in church, it's not just believing it in your mind, just like the demons do, it's experiencing it in my heart. And until I experience Jesus Christ's freedom, until I experience Him as the uplifted Son of God, until I know that the Holy Spirit is leading me and guiding me, He says, then you'll know. If you continue in my word, it is living daily in the experience of the word of God. Jesus is the word. It's continually daily. It says, if you continue, if you continue, look at that, if you continue. Are you and I saved by a one-time decision or a lifelong commitment? Is it impossible to lose your salvation? Many of us maybe grew up in a background from that direction. Is it possible to lose your salvation or is there a need for continued perseverance? I don't care if we made a decision 20 years ago to serve Jesus. I don't care if we come to church every day. What is the condition of your heart right now in this moment? What is the condition of your heart? Jesus is saying, if you continue. If we believe, we'll live. But Jesus has a message for us of, who, who want to take that word belief. It really means to keep walking. It means if you continue, he means to keep, to hold, to put into practice his words until the very day you die. John eight fifty one says, if anyone keeps my words, he ends this chapter with this, if anyone keeps my words, he'll never see death. We can repent and we can believe, 
But what that really means is those who truly repent and believe, they'll be lifelong disciples of Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us in Hebrews, you can drift away. And it tells us in, first, or in Colossians chapter 1 that there's a need for you to be steadfast. In 1 John chapter 2, there's a need for you to continue to walk as he walked. Why? Because it's only those who make it to the very end that prove their faith in Jesus Christ. If you continue, you'll really know the truth. You'll be my disciples, and the truth will set you free. So many people make that first-time profession, but they don't make it to the very end. When they breathe their last breath, their heart has not been in right relationship with God. They think that uh, uh, something, some one-time commitment or some church service or some giving through the mail, even though they don't come to church. I'll be serious this morning. I don't care what we've done in the past. Jesus is saying today is the day of salvation. Are you right today? If death met you today, what would you say to him? We can believe John 3.16 all we want, but we have to hold to his teaching daily to say, I understand who Jesus is. I says continue. It's not about what we've done in the past, but are you walking in Christ today? Worship team, would you come back? It's not about what you've done in the past, but are you walking in Christ today? Does God believe you're putting his son's words into practice? Just like this person I was talking to on, on the phone. What does God think about that? What does God think about my opinion of His Word? What does God think about the way I think, the way I act? Am I believing? Do I believe in Him? And am I continuing to walk in the truth of God's Word, in the revelation of Jesus Christ? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Since the beginning of this message... 4,815 people have died. Since the beginning of this message, almost 4,000 souls have died and are right now meeting with Jesus Christ. Think about it. Around this world today, 4,000 souls, every minute, 107 people die. In 30, 40-minute sermon, over 4,000 people will have met God today. In this just brief window... And what will they say to death? What will they say to God? Will they know the uplifted Jesus? Will Jesus say, they've continued in my word, they've truly known the truth, and now, Father, I set them free from the penalty of sin and death. They have no longer been slaves to sins, but they are sons and daughters of the Most High God. If you do not believe, and if you continue to walk in the darkness of sin... Jesus says, clearly, you'll die in your sin. Serious message of love today. But if you believe, and if you continue to walk in the light of Christ Jesus, the Word of God, you will live forever in His freedom. Is it fearful or hopeful today? The only unpardonable sin is to reject Jesus Christ. The only sin that cannot be forgiven is to die without accepting Jesus Christ. Do you believe today? How are you walking? Jesus. We just take a moment and just between you and God, just begin to pray. Just begin to seek the Lord. I know many of us in this place are saved, have given our life to God. We are faithful believers. How are we walking, church? Maybe there's things in our hearts that God is saying, give me that that peace, your slave in that area of your life. Give that over to my freedom. Choose the Holy Spirit. Maybe you're here today, and if you died today, you would not be ready to meet Jesus Christ. You would not have the freedom, and the fear would come over you. We don't get to choose when death happens. It could be in a car crash today. God could take you in your sleep at any moment. I don't know, but will it be fearful or hopeful? And could we say at that moment, death has lost its sting in me. I serve the uplifted Jesus. He's the lifter of my head. He lifts me up out of the grave and I have no fear. I have hope in Him. Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Let's just take a moment of silence before Him. Just, Just meditate on His Word today.
just think on it. What about those people that you pass by in the street? Do you think about if they'll die in their sins? Easter's approaching. What a great opportunity to begin to witness to people. What a great opportunity to rescue some souls from the flames of fire that, that are waiting for them in eternity. Should move us, church. We know the truth. People today are dying in their sins. And there's no coming back from it. Urgency is the mode of the hour. God needs a mission-minded church. God needs an evangelistic church. God needs a church that's passionate for the lost, that's motivated by love, not hate. Because love conquers all. It's the love of God that tells people the truth. It's the love of God that saves people from their sin. It's the love of God that sent His Son to die. Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. just stay right here for a moment. Perhaps you're here today and just do this first. You do not have peace with God today. I want to pray with you for salvation. For salvation. Say, Pastor Heath, I don't have peace with God if I die today. I want to be sure and sure. I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. Maybe you've committed a long time ago, but you say, I haven't been continuing to walk in Him. I want to rededicate my life. Either or, if this is a first time commitment, say, Pastor Heath, that's me. I'm going to stand up today. I'm going to give my life to Jesus Christ. If you just raise your hand and look at me, I want to pray with you. I want to, I want to lead you into that place. Bless you. Amen. Anybody else today? I haven't been walking like I should. I want to make sure today that I'm in that right place. It's a very serious moment, church. Do you know that you know? I want to give you just a moment. Do you know that you know? Would you be ready today? If today was your last day, would you be ready? Anybody else? And if that's you, if you just pray this prayer to yourself or, or just between you and God, you can pray it like this, but it's really about my repenting of my heart and believing. But it's just simply like this, and maybe you're a believer today, you just want to make sure. Father God, I just commit my life to you. Lord, forgive me for my sins. God, I repent of them. I turn from them, God, and I choose you. Father, I choose life. I pray, Jesus, that you would come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. I surrender my own thoughts. I surrender my heart, my feelings, my emotions. I surrender my actions to you, that you have a better way for me. So, Holy Spirit, help me to choose today. Break the power of sin in my life and help me choose right living. Each day, Father, I commit my life to you. Help me on this journey. And I believe that Jesus Christ died, He rose again, and He's coming back soon. He is the Son of the Most High God. He is my Savior, and I give my life to Him. If you prayed that prayer and you genuinely meant it, you are saved. Don't let the world or the devil or the lies or the enemy or the flesh tell you any different. If you truly believed it, you are saved. Now we commit our life to walking in Him every day in the Word and in prayer. Now, if you're here today and you say, Pastor Heath, I've been failing in that continued journey. There's things in my life that it keeps stumbling. I'm trying to walk forward. I'm trying to move forward. But there are situations, circumstances. I just really need to give over some issues to God and let me continue to walk forward. I've been trying to walk forward, but there are stumbling blocks. Maybe it's flesh things that you're fighting against. Maybe it's things of the world. Maybe it's things of the devil. You're really trying to struggle in that areas of freedom to make the right decisions every day. And we all do that. But I want to pray strength over you today. If that's you, that, you just raise your hand with me and say, I'm, I'm praying for freedom in different areas. I want to have the, the opportunity, Lord, to make the right decision every time. Amen. Thank you for those hands. Thank you, Lord. You see these hands? God, we want to make the right decisions. I pray for the power of the Holy Spirit to come over every person who's made that profession of faith. God, that each one of us struggle, Lord, to have the right attitude, the right thoughts, Lord, to right actions. And Lord, your word says that you have given us freedom over the power of sin, and that is a freedom to make the right choice. And God, you never give us more temptation than we can handle. But Lord, you provide that door of escape. So, Father God, I pray in the power of the Holy Spirit today, God, that you would give freedom to those who are asking for it, that they would have that conscious moment to say, Stop, 
wait, let me make the right decision this time. And then, Father, I know and I trust and believe, God, that they'll be stronger each day as they walk in the freedom and the holiness and making right decisions in you. And now lastly, church, for all of us, how many people do you know this week that are, would, if they died, would die in their sins? I just want you to begin to think of those names. Call them out to God just in a moment. Right here, just take a moment. This is serious, church. We've got plenty of time left. How many people do you know today, if they died, they would die in their sins? Sons, daughters, aunts, uncles, nieces, nephews. Let's get serious for a moment. Let's just begin to pray for them. Could you do that all across this place? Would you just begin to pray for your family and friends? Let the Lord hear your heart. Intercede for them. Maybe it's people closest to you. Maybe it's people, maybe God needs to give us a burden for people we pass in the store at our workplaces. Come on, church. Would you just begin to intercede for, for just a moment? Those names. But God will give us a burden. Father God, I pray right now. God, that you just give us a burden for souls. God, here at Sanctuary, God, that you would give us a burden for souls, that people, this, what if this Easter was their last Easter, God? What if this was the end? Father, how many people do we know that would die in their sins? God, give me the gravity of the situation. Let me have a hope, God. That's not just a negative message, but it's a good news of Jesus Christ. Give us the urgency and the love, oh God. Let us be motivated by love to tell the lost, just like you were motivated by love to send your son and to preach the truth. I pray for prayer warriors in this place. God, I pray for people who would stand for righteousness to speak the truth in love, God, to tell people about sin and death and hell, but God, also to tell them the opportunity of the good news that there is freedom in Jesus, there is hope, there is life, there is peace, there is life the way it was meant to be lived, God, there is a better way for them to have fullness in this time, Lord, but not only that, but there is an eternity of peace and love and the presence of God. There is a plan, Father, you have given for every man that none should perish, but all should come to everlasting life. May we be the people who are truth-sayers, God. May we speak the truth. Would you stand with me today? I pray today that we do not go from this place downcast, overwhelmed, or burdened down, but that you and I know that God loved the world so very much that He was willing to send His Son to save you. And if you have been saved today, you can go out from this place with a voice of triumph, with a voice of victory, that the world will notice the joy on your face. Because if you really understand that there was a hell and you were destined to go there, but now there is a heaven and your name is marked in the Lamb's Book of Life and nothing can erase it, that should just make your day. It should make your week, and it should be a joy that overflows and tells the world how much God loves. Because it's not a bitter, sad Christian that's going to reach the world. It is a victorious, overflowing, and joy Christian that's going to show the world, man, there is a loving God who loved me so very much. There was a hell, but yes, there is a hope. Amen? Amen? Amen. We're going to sing this verse. Bless the Lord, all my soul. And on that day when your strength is failing and the end draws near and your time has come.